Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Come on in and grab a seat. Good morning. Come on in and grab a seat. There's a good seat or two right here. All right, well, thanks for coming today. Thanks for joining in at the firehouse and tracking through this series here we've had on our finances. Um, just welcome you in. If I haven't met you, my name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at the firehouse, and we're excited to have you today. I see some new faces today, so thanks for joining in. Uh, if you're catching us for the first time, we're excited to have all of you and excited to talk through things here. Um, I'm going to pray and we'll just jump in here. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you um, just for the chance to hear from your word. Uh, God, we thank you for the chance to be together, to worship, to, to have fellowship, to have this family together that is your church. And we just invite you in today and we ask that you'd, you'd speak to each of us. God, help us grow in managing the money you give us and managing our finances in honoring you with everything that goes through our hands and our lives. Um, we just pray to give each of us something we can grow in. Kind of fly through a lot today, but I just pray to be something you'd have for each of us that we could honor you with, we could obey with. And we grow as a church, just uh, being a body of people that honor you with our finances. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, again, so... Today we are going to continue with our series on finances. We've got a little handout going around um, to fill in the blanks as we go along there. Um, so the first, the first, the last few weeks actually focused a little more on specifically related to tithes and offerings. Um, just what God expects from us, specifically related to those two areas of giving. Giving our, our, our tenth and giving beyond that to the church or other people out there. And this week we're going to focus a little more in on how can we be good stewards, uh, just someone entrusted with the money that God gives us. How can we be excellent at that? How can we honor God with the money He puts through our hands? And I, we'll just start with today, I really think God wants to bless each of our finances. But there are things that can derail God's blessing in our life, that can, that can harm it, that can keep it from, from Him giving His blessing. Um, I think there's also ways we'll talk about and that we can grow in how we're doing it. That There's ways specifically that are mentioned that you can be excellent at it, and I think we can become even more excellent in how we're doing it. And we'll also just talk about our heart and how that relates to money, how that relates to God how money can be a reflection of our heart before God. So I don't know where each of you are at today, but just trusting God has something just to, to speak to you on specifically to how um, finances are used in each of our lives. And I first want to start just by talking about what God's uh, intent and plan is for our lives. And I do believe that God wants to richly bless us in all areas of our life, including our finances. Now, a statement might make you a little uncomfortable thinking, God wants to bless our finances. Um, 
and that might make you uncomfortable for a number of reasons. You might have heard people that preach something you might call a little more like a prosperity gospel, that if you just honor God, you'll be a millionaire in three to five years, which I'm not saying. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, but I am saying that God has good in store for each of us. And He's longing to hand it out. He's longing to bless His people. And we're going to focus, obviously, on the financial side of things today. But I believe God wants to bless us in all areas of our lives and wants us to be thriving in all areas, including our spiritual lives, our relationships, our finances, our parenting, our work. God has good in store for our people. And try to check with me for a minute on that and just consider some of the things God said in the Bible specifically related to money. And some of them will go into more depth on later on. But just get to thinking about that idea that God really wants to bless His people. And Jesus said in the parable of the talents about someone that handles their money well in Matthew 25, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And I think that's awesome just to see that there's a celebrating and there's an increasing that God does in His blessing to people that honor Him in this area of finance. Um, And that's really what that whole parable is about first, is people that are faithful with their finances and with their money, and that God's looking to bless them. To the person that gave abundantly through giving to God, I know Greg talked about this some a couple weeks ago, but in Malachi, God says, Give all the tithes into the storehouses so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out my blessings so great that you will not have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And I share this again today just to say God's looking to bless us in this area. And in this one area, God says, you can test me. Go for it. You give. You bring your tenth in and give it at your church and watch for the blessing. And God is looking to bless us in this area. In Deuteronomy 28, God said to the nation of Israel that if they obeyed Him, that the Lord would send rain at the proper time from His rich treasury from the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. And even though this was a promise to Israel, it highlights God's character and shows that He wants to richly bless His people. And He's looking for people that are obeying Him and honoring Him, and He wants to pour out His blessing. And this relates to money, too. So again, I'm not saying that if you obey God, you'll be wildly rich, and there's um, some formula we'll lay out today, and I can show you how to be a millionaire in a year. But I do think God wants to bless us in this area, and I think God wants us to be people that honor Him in this area. Um, And I will just highlight as we start, many of the Proverbs and parables that Jesus teaches in this area are not so much direct commands of, do this, but there are a lot of things that um, show that if we use money in a certain way, it'll cause blessing in our life, it'll cause curse, it'll cause bondage and slavery, or it'll bless us and the people around us if we know how to handle our money well, if we know how to be good stewards and carry out God's purposes with our money. So I put down some points on that first section there of just places that I think God wants to take us, and just some of the things just to be thriving. Um, to be uh, to be able to worship and how we spend to have 
that have good hearts towards money, that are generous, that are content, that are looking to give. Um, there's, to have that freedom I talked about from bondage and slavery to debt and other areas of sin. Um, and those, those are big things. It might not be how you're related to money, or we always relate to money, but I believe that God wants to bless us and have those things going in our life in this area as we honor Him. Um, I don't do this often, but to help me illustrate today, I asked someone to come up and help me. Um, he's actually pretty famous. You may have seen him on TV. He's actually been on TV since the 60s, believe it or not. And he graciously agreed to come for free and help me today. He's in this bag here. You might recognize Ernie here from Sesame Street, and he's driving a train. You know you become a parent when you start bringing things like this up here, but here we go. But you see, Ernie, Ernie here drives a farm train. I've learned this from some of the markings on the side and from some of the songs he sings. Ernie, would you like to say hello to everyone? Oh, he died. Right at the wrong time. No! good, Ernie. But bear with me a little bit when we talk about Ernie, because I think his train here is going to exemplify a tool like God wants to carry money in our lives. See, when he carries animals and cargo around in his train, it's like carrying money around in our lives here. It's fantastic to have you aboard. Look for the picture of the chicken. Okay. Now, okay, now you can't stop him. It's unpredictable when you bring someone up. Now, Miss Piggy here, who's roller skating, owns Sesame Street Farms. Now, she hires out Ernie to carry around loads in his farm, in her, in his farm train here. And she trusts him that as he carries this around, he's going to honor her and do the things he asked her to. And as we talk through this next point, um, we're just going to think about in terms of this train here. How I might need to turn them off again. How God might want to bless our life. But really, Miss Piggy's intent is that Ernie can have a train with many, many cars in it that loads many cargo and can add a horse and add other things to it. But there's things that's going to limit what Ernie can do in carrying out this mission for Miss Piggy here. So, as we go into this next point, let's just think of it in terms of that. And if you've got your sheet here, the next point there is that there's things in your life that are limiting, um, that are limiting God's blessing. And so we're going to talk about how Miss Piggy might react to each of these situations. And the first thing you'll see right on that sheet is debt. You see, Miss Piggy wants Ernie here to carry this pig from town to town and carry his cargo around and deliver things for her. And debt limits what Ernie can do with his cargo. You see, every time he goes back and forth from town, he has to stop at this train station. And if he's in debt and he's got all these things loaded up, every time he goes through, he owes something. And he's got to give something away because he owes it. It doesn't go exactly where Miss Piggy wants it to go. So if Ernie leaves with four animals, Miss Piggy knows one's always going to be paid out in debt. And that's just part of, part of what happens with Ernie is you only get three animals to go where she wants it to go. 
Um, and it gets so bad that even sometimes he has to borrow from one person to pay off another when he goes through the chain station if he's coming back empty and he's got debts over town. Um, and so that just, that just uh, that's how she views him, is that only 75% of it is going to make it there because he's always handing off an animal of debt. And that's how our lives can be. That's one thing that might limit how effective we are, is if we've got debt, it's just going to limit our options and what God can do. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs 22.7, it's written down there, but just the reference, but it says the rituals over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Um, it's not necessarily a sin to go into debt. The Bible doesn't say that, but it does say that it, it limits what God can do in our lives. It limits the trust He can have with us with our money. For example, I have a mortgage on my house, like most of us, but it limits my options. Um, if I'm out of work, I have to find some way to still pay my mortgage. I can't stop. Um, the bank stipulates that to keep my interest rate, I actually need to live in my house. I can't leave it. I can't rent it out, like most of your mortgages probably say. I need to insure my house. I've got to prove that I'm doing that. Um, I need to reasonably maintain my house so they can come by. Um, and if I don't pay it long enough, they can take it back and cut their losses. You know, if I don't have enough equity, I actually even need to buy extra insurance so the bank can be sure that they get their money back. Um, and they set all the terms in it. So when it says you become a slave to the lender, I'm a slave to the bank on my house because they own it and I'm paying them. And as we pile more debts, our control of our money decreases. As we also borrow for a car, maybe we're... Um, now that's someone else in our life that's calling the shots. Now if we put a student loan and we pile on credit card debt and a few rent-to-own appliances, now a lot of other people have a stake to us and control our lives. And God knows that if the money goes through us, the first place it's going to go to all, is to all these debts. So it's limiting where his money can go out to the purposes he might have for it. Um, and we become controlled by those things. And ultimately, that's why things exist like to do drastic measures like foreclosures and repossession and collection agencies is because they need to be sure there's some way to get debts back and it controls our lives. I don't have time to go into all the detail on that today, but let me say this a little bit. If you're in debt, if there's things limiting there, I encourage you to, to make plans to get out of it. And, um, I think of some ministries I've been involved with, like Financial Peace University or Crown. They can differ on what, what strategy to use to get out of it. Do you pay the highest interest rate first or the smallest balance first? Or They have some different strategies, but the message is pretty clear from all of these because it's clear from the scripture. Get out of debt. Do what it takes. Free yourself. Um, stop lines of credit if necessary. Sell things off to get money. Free yourself from the slavery of debt and start freeing up God's money to go where he wants it to go. Um, just another thing we'll talk about is surety. And that's a word that doesn't get used much. I don't know if we talk about it much, but it's just making a promise on behalf of someone else, especially in the area of finances. Um, and when they don't follow through, we agree to become responsible for them. Back to Ernie here. You might have, you might have known, he's had this friend named Bert for a long time. And Bert is not as good with his finances. Uh, the banks didn't trust Bert to be able to get a train and some cars and, and get the fee to start his own business. And so Ernie agreed 
to co-sign for him so Bert could start his own train business and go around to farms too. The only problem is um, Bert tried it out for a little while and didn't do so hot at it and was losing money so he skipped town. And now every time Ernie goes through town and he has this little train, now he owes money not just for his own debts, but he also owns it for Bert's debts. And Miss Piggy's trust in him is just going down because every time he goes through town, he's just paying out all this stuff in debts. And, you know, he didn't even really think through that his ability to have his own business and to keep this farm train going relied on being able to pay his own debts and not have Ernie's stuff there. And so Miss Piggy's trust for him goes down and down because less and less of her money is, and um, cargo was making it between places. And that's what, that's what happens to us. It's a funny thing. You know, on a serious note, surety or co-signing is really just making you liable uh, for a debt that a bank wouldn't let some, someone take on. They wouldn't trust them with. And um, I'm surprised. I don't think some, some of those things talk about this too much, but um, we're instructed to avoid debt on our own. We talked about some of those verses, how it's bad. But this is a step beyond that, saying to someone else that I really want to help them and so I'm going to help them get in more debt than they could possibly ever get in debt on their own because a bank wouldn't loan to them and I'm going to take on responsibility for that and so we're trying to help someone because they're in a tight bind and so we're helping them get into more debt and likely if they're in that spot and the bank's not trusting them it's for a reason and they probably won't be able to pay back that debt and we're helping them get um, in a worse situation and so again, our ability to use God's money goes down. Proverbs 17, 18, there says, A man lacking in sense pledges and becomes a guarantor in the presence of his neighbor. Um, so the Bible doesn't say, Boy, you're a nice and generous person if you, you help your neighbor or your friend in this way. It actually says that you lack sense. You're actually causing harm to that person and yourself um, because you're doing that. I think that's another thing that can just limit God's blessing and limit what's going on. And we'll talk later about a better way to help someone that might be in financial need. But that's a way we get ourselves entangled and in harm's way financially. Um, and we'll breeze through a few of these other ones under there. Just, I thought I'd mention them, just thinking things in our heart that just limit how God might bless us in these financial areas. But coveting, I think, is a big one financially. You know, basically we have a heart that is always looking over our shoulder, comparing to someone else. Um, we want something bigger and better than what we have. And in general, our spending will end up reflecting that. We'll have to spend until we go into debt. Um, and it's just a bad situation that continues just because we want something as nice as someone else's. And the worst part is, is as soon as we get it, we want something bigger. We want a nicer car, a newer outfit, a better phone. Those are going faster and faster. Those get outdated. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Another big deal I want to hit on really is this area I wrote down, sloppiness slash laziness there. Just being careless and sloppy with our finances. I think this limits God's people and what they can do with His money. We just don't know how much we have to spend. Uh, we don't know how much we have spent this month. We don't know how much is in our account. We don't know when stuff's coming out. You know, According to a 2007 study by a government agency called the Center Responsible for Lending, People are paying $17 billion annually just in overdraft fees and interest. And really that just comes down to not having the discipline or knowledge of where our finances are at. And I'll admit, even in, 
even in the last month, we were... Um, I just forgot about a bill coming through on one of those automatic withdrawals in the last month and it went through and hit the overdraft thing and did that charge and I was just like, that's just sloppiness. <laughs> it's nothing else, just not remembering when those things are going through or keeping track of it. Um, and I, I just think, um, when it comes right down to that, God just might want to find someone else to bless financially and people are draining their money into the banks by the hundreds and thousands. Um, of overdraft charges to hit that billions of year the banks are making. You know, back to back to Ernie. Maybe I just looked at him too long on the desk. But if he's flying around corners at 55 when he's going between farms to, to doing the cargo and he doesn't know how fast to take his train and a, an animal just flies off the side, that's just sloppy. That's just lazy. And that's kind of what an overdraft charge is. It's just not knowing where it's all going. We're going too fast. We're not paying attention. We don't, we're not strapping things in and watching our speed. It's the same way. Um, and really it comes down to those things can lead to other heart problems and be indicative of it. It can lead to worry. It can lead to stinginess. It can lead to fighting in marriages if we just don't know where our accounts are at. And I know because I've been there before. I've been in the place of just not knowing where it's all going. Um, the verse on there, Proverbs 27:23, on that point says, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. This isn't strictly about finances. It would apply to a lot of things, but it does apply here. Know the status of your finances to the point that you can know the condition, give an account, and keep track of it. And children and livestock, that's good too. Know how many are there and everything. But we're talking about finances here. And I think a few other quick ones on the list there. Impulsiveness, I think, can be a detractor. Do we have a plan? Do you have self-control? Or do you spend the minute you see something and count the cost later? That can lead to problems too. A person that's a disciple and following God and in the Spirit displays self-control in all areas. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And that includes with our finances. Uh, Just another quick one, vanity. I mean, do we spend money entirely to look a certain way or not have an embarrassing car or embarrassing phone or house or any of those things. I know I've got, like, I live in the city of Denver, so somehow my car has, like, BB gun holes on the side of it right now. And we thought, again, like, should we go fix it? We got an estimate on it, but it's, like, $2,000, they said, to just fix the BB gun holes on the side, and our car is, I don't know, not worth that much more than $2,000, so... We had to decide that's not worth it. But every time I see it, I'm like, want those bullet holes gone. Doesn't look good. <laughs> I think it's just my flesh just wanting to keep up, wanting to have a good appearance, wanting to look good, because I don't think it's changing getting our family around in a car that much. Um, but eventually, if we're going down that road, it can lead to financial stresses and problems in our life. Um, but... We flew through a few of those, but I just encourage you to look at that list and just ask God if there's anything He might want you to repent or change in your life as it relates to finances. Um, and if there is anything that, that God's kind of burdened you on and encouraging you on, um, just be accountable with it. Share with someone that's discipling you or a trusted just friend that's a believer and following God. Um, and just be praying that God would free you from those things in some of those areas. 
I do want to shift a little bit. It's been a pretty negative start right there. But just talk about what are a few positive things that God's looking for in our life. What, what can we do to honor God? How can we grow in these things together? Just to honor God with our finances a little more. Um, and the, the third point there is just that, that God wants us to grow in our stewardship of the money He's given us. Which um, steward, it's just someone that controls the money, someone that handles it well. Just being a steward of something that's God's and it's trusted in our hands. And so the, the first two on that list talks about um, our faithfulness and trustworthiness. I think those go hand in hand. Uh, are we faithful and worthy of trust in our dealings with money? Can God trust us with it? I'm not done yet with Ernie. Back to Ernie. This means that when Miss Piggy entrusts him with animals, she knows they get where she wants them to go. That all the cargo will get there. That it's a sure thing. That she can trust it with, trust him with it. That he's not going to lose some cargo off of it. He's not going to take a little for himself. He's not going to be sloppy. So she can start to trust him with bigger loads, with more cars on the end, with more cargo going, with the important animal like the cattle. He can start to take instead of just chickens and pigs. He can go longer distances without supervision. And that's how God kind of wants to grow us. It's just in being responsible with more because He knows we'll be faithful with it. He knows it'll go to His purposes, the, the things He can trust us with. Um, and that leads... You know, Jesus talked a lot about finances and parables. There's just one I wanted to go through. It's on the back of your sheet here. Just printed it out. Um, Matthew 25. So just look at the back of your paper there and follow along a little bit. Just think about what God might want to teach us on on just being trustworthy with our money there. It says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But the one who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And he said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I know you are a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. I went away and hid the talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered him and said, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talents from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. 
throw out the worthless slave into the darkness into the place with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this parable really just deals with how God can trust us with His money. And again, that's, that's what it's about with the stewardship, is that it's God's money entrusted to us to do something with, to be a steward of it on behalf of God. And that's all our money. He gives it all through us. Uh, every good and perfect thing comes from God, including our money. And, and again, this is not some prosperity gospel that will be wildly rich, and you can ten times your money every year or something. But it does mean that God will have His blessing on the life of the people that honor Him with their money. And it might be that our money stretches farther in areas than beyond what it looks like it should. Or it might be that God blesses other areas of our life because of it. Or He might bless you and your your money increases. It's a possibility. Um, But growing to be faithful with our money, like those slaves were... um, grows God's ability and opportunity to bless us in that area and other areas in our life. And God is not passive. He doesn't just sit back and kind of watch and let, let it run its course. You know, I also read that it, based on how people act, He's going to trim some people. He's going to cut back what they have to handle because it's going to the wrong place. And He's going to increase other people because He sees it's going right to where He wants it to go. It's being handled well. It's multiplying. It's going to His purposes. And God's going to bless and, and trim based on those two things. And so the next two things on those lists there we talked about, I think they go hand in hand and kind of hang off of that, are just diligence and intentionality. I think they kind of go together. But we need to take great care and be intentional about where our money goes. Uh, can you quickly give an account of the funds, like, like a manager of one of those accounts? I think one simple indicator is a budget. I know when we got married, I did one when I was single, and it's pretty easy. You can keep track of it. It's just you. You know when you spend. You know when you don't. Um, But when we got married, it was a lot harder to work together on it. So within like a month, we just stopped and didn't have a budget. And we were both working at the time, so we kind of made it work and and shifted it around. But it wasn't a good situation. Uh, We didn't always know how much money we had or didn't have. Uh, And it started to lead to distress. We disagreed about where to spend it. Uh, we had guilt associated with money. We never felt like we should be spending it. Um, we found out we didn't know when we didn't know how much was going out. We didn't really have a plan with it, and everything became a stressor just because we didn't know where it was going. And so, and, and that was my leadership of not leading in, in a budget. Sarah would go and buy clothes and feel guilty and say like I spent twenty dollars and I had to get a shirt. It would kind of be sheepish because she wouldn't know how I would respond. And usually I would react harshly because I just I think I was just trying not to spend money was my main thing there. So whenever it was spent, I'd kind of get stressed out and not react well. And so even reasonable amounts of money that she would spend to, to keep track of her, keep her family provided for, were a stressor for me. And that, as we both look back, that was the biggest stressor in the first probably two years of our marriage was how we're handling our money together. Are we unified in it and honoring God? And a lot of it was just because we needed to grow and be diligent enough with our finances to keep a budget and to work together to keep track of where every dollar was going to be able to give an account. And the principle is the same no matter how much we make. I think whether you make 20000 a year or you make 200000 a year, God's honored when we can give an account of where that money goes. When we know right where it's going, when we know when we can give, we know when we can't, there's not the stress associated with it. Um, even being prayerful and asking how he might want us to spend it. 
Um, and it does. I mean, it's part of diligence because it takes record-keeping work. It takes diligence. Um, but now that we keep a better record and we work on consistency, it pays off in big ways in our marriage and there's a blessing that comes from it. Now she can go and say there's a fixed amount on clothing. I can go buy a shirt and come back and it's in that budget. It just works in. There's no stress. There's no worry about it. We've planned ahead. And it just reduces that guilt associated with spending. Uh, and we can uh, just know for sure if we're going to spend $20 on lunch, it's in the budget, and, and there's no stress associated with it. And Proverbs 21.5 there says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. And this relates to our money. If we're diligent with it, if we're diligent in keeping track of knowing where it's going, um, there is an advantage and gain in our finances and the blessing in our life from God. And the, the last thing I want to hit about just under those growing and stewardship points is our generosity. Do we have generous hearts and pocketbooks? Um, you know, the more we start to view God gives us our money and He wants us to be good keepers of it, He wants us to be users of it that honor Him, the more we start to be prayerful and ask God, might, where might you want this money to go? How might your kingdom be expanded through the use of my money? How might I be able to bless other people in my life? You know, I just think about one area. Um, how might God want you to help the poor? You know, and, and there's lots of ways, but um, there's lots of verses. I just think of one area being generous, thinking there's lots of verses. When you read through going, be generous to the poor, help the poor, all those things. And I can go through periods where I just ignore that and go, well, I don't know that many people in my neighborhood that are in immediate needs and I don't take the time to know, so I don't help them. But these days it's so easy just to take a good organization like Compassion International or Samaritan's Purse or something like that and give and help and further God's plan to help those people or to help the, the mercy ministry of the firehouse just to get it to people that, uh, at, uh, people that need help and families. Um, and there's a lot of verses in the Bible, like I said, but personally, we're trying to expand on some of those things and give, but uh, I believe someday we're going to give an account. How did you help the poor? You read verses for years on that. What are you doing, even just with your money to help? You know, I think of another good indicator with our generosity and faithfulness is, is the tithing. Um, are we bringing a tenth of our income back to God? Are we giving when the church needs? Um, just with extra offerings like talked about last week are we helping missionaries and good organizations just as our money being generous to give to things God might want to do um, and, and that's between you and God how much and what And but I think God wants us to grow and being freed up from some of these things having an account to go God where do you want this money to go how do you want this tool to further your kingdom how do you want it to get the gospel out? how do you want it to feed the poor how do you want it um, just to honor you and I think it will give us wisdom in that and help us with it as we're able to be good stewards and help him um, I wanted to follow back up on this I mentioned earlier that co-signing alone and helping someone by getting more debt was not a good way to help so I thought, thought I'd follow up on a better way to help just as we talk about being generous is just to give to those in need um, the Bible's, again, the Bible's clear we shouldn't help them bring on debt, but it also says be generous and help those in needs. I think 1 Timothy 6.18 says, Instruct the rich to be generous and ready to share. 
And Proverbs 22.9 says, He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. So a better way to help, don't help people pile on debt, is just to give and be generous to the poor, to people in need. Just give gifts. You know, I remember some occasions of people being out of work in the church, and especially the last five years, it's been a pretty uncertain economy and job situations and people kind of in and out and trying to get by. And I, I remember just people um, having real needs and, and being short on meeting their needs and feeding their family and getting through those times. And, and uh, I, I heard people say they were just trying to get through and they'd open up their mail one day and there'd just be a blank envelope with no return address that'd have grocery gift cards just to help them. And it wasn't alone, it was just here's a gift. Uh, people just seeing, hey, there's a need, and this is where I think God wants his money to go, is, is help families that are trying to get through. To me, it's just beautiful to see God's people using his money just to bless others and bless people in need. And I think that's how we can be, another way we can just be freed up and being generous, be ready to share. I look at, I look at the neighborhood around us here and think it's turning into a pretty nice neighborhood. I think we're growing more as being an area of, we're probably more in a... Um, position to be generous and be giving and be growing in that and uh, I think that's one way God wants to just use his people is be freed up and have their money go to his purposes in those areas so that covers some of those areas I could go on there but just that God might want us to grow in our stewardship or handling of our money there's one last thing I wanted to touch on this morning um and that's often, just by the nature of money, if you're anything like me, I'm a math person. Math goes on up here at times. And I can reduce money to math. Um, I can reduce it to you put 10% towards your tithe. You put a fixed amount towards retirement. Your mortgage costs this much of your money every month. And um, we put this much towards food. And it all goes here and here and here. And just detach my heart from it. But the Bible's clear that how we spend our money, how it goes out, is really just an overflow of what's going on in our heart. Uh, there's a few things that the Bible says are indicators of our heart. You know, for example, it says out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Our words indicate what's going on in our heart. But it also says our spending indicates where our heart is at. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, money is just a tool or an indicator. Um, it's not moral on its own or immoral. It's just a tool to spend. But where we put it, especially over the long haul, reflects where our heart is at. Um, One last prop in my bag. I have a $5 bill here. This is not a moral object. It's just $5. And even what I do with this $5 is probably not moral immoral. I can drop it in the giving box. I can go get a cup of coffee. I can spend it. I can put it in the savings account. They're all fine. But what I do over the long haul, what I do over a month or a year, is going to reflect my heart. If over the month I spend more on those coffees than giving, there's probably a problem with my heart because I'm not honoring Him with what I have. Um, And and that's that last blank that our money is used, how it's used as an overflow of our heart. And I've heard it said that our budget is really a theological document that just reflects our heart. I think we, like most parents, spend a good deal of our money on our kids one way or another. If you're a parent, I I bet you can relate, but it takes diapers and food and car seat and you want to start saving for school, they say, like 10 years before they're born or something to pay for college. and You need to get medical care and um, 
you got Christmas coming up in a few months, and as your parent, your budget starts to reflect a lot of money goes to your kids. And that's okay, you know. Our daughter is very important to us, and so honestly, our spending reflects that. Um, and I think as you look at your budget over a period of time, it reflects what's important to you, what you care about. Um, we spend a lot less on entertainment we did than we did before we had kids because it's less important than our kids, and that's pretty natural. But the first purpose, the first thing God says, is to worship Him with our money, to use it as a way where we're bringing Him honor and worship. And I think of... You know, we did spend two weeks on it, but just that giving the tithe, the tenth of our income to God, just one good indicator. Um, you know, we're told to give the first and best of our income. It talks about the fattened calf, or the first fruit of the crops, the first that comes in. And that's because God wants our worship with it, not just the dollar amount. And not just the leftovers in our life. And we've been going through uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University at the Firehouse recently. And there's one thing I said on this, that he said on this that I really like. You know, he says he counsels people all the time. He says they're trying to figure out how to give, and they're trying to tithe, and they, they get their budget, and they start writing down the line items, and they start with their rent, and their food, and their clothing, and their transportation to get to work, and their entertainment, and eating out. And then they get to the bottom and try to get to tithing, and they go, I just don't have it. I just don't have money to give to God, and I'm going to work on it, but I don't know how it fits in the budget. And he smiles and very graciously says, Oh, it's really easy. You've just got a simple problem. Your budget's upside down. (laughs) Tithing comes off the top, not the bottom. And I really like that example. It's It's helped us as we look at our budgeting, going through it again, going, If we're getting to the end and there's not money for those things, it's a heart problem that it's not coming off the top. It's coming off the leftovers of our, excuse me, of our hearts. Um, and if we're winning in some of those areas we covered there, like faithfulness and generosity and tithing, usually that indicates that our heart is right with God, that we're honoring Him in other areas, that um, we're obeying Him and have a good relationship. And if some of those things start to drop, usually that's indicated. And in Matthew 6, Jesus said specifically of how you're using your money that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or where your money is, there your heart will be also. So clearly it's not bad to provide for your family. It's biblical. It reflects your love for them. We're called to do it. Provide. Um, But I challenge you to look at your budget. We're not going to put everyone's on the screen, but go home and look at your budget and say, if I look at my budget, what does it reflect that I'm worshiping? Does it reflect that I'm worshipful of God? Does it reflect that I'm generous? Does it reflect that I'm helping the poor somehow in there? And that's between you and God, obviously. But I'd, I'd ask you just to be prayerful and seek God on, on, is that reflected in my budget? Is there any ways I can improve? I can rearrange it? I can do things... And they're the things that are limiting God's blessing because it's going to the wrong places. It's going to things that are really more about our bondage and our, uh, our sin than about ways we're trying to bless other people and bless God with our money. And uh, one, I just ask two things of you as we go, just as you think about that area. Um, one would just be, just get counsel from someone you know that that you have a good relationship with, has a relationship with God, and especially someone that's winning in this area of money and honoring God in this area of money, 
um, and just ask for counsel. You know, I've spent countless hours, the pastor, just um, talking to people and counseling and talking through life and just grabbing a meal or a coffee together. And I admit I probably don't ask near enough questions about how things are going with money or share from my own life. How is it going honoring God with our money? Oh, it's uncomfortable. We live in a culture where that's the last thing you're supposed to talk about. Unless you go to Vegas and win money or something, you just don't talk about your money. Um, but we need to break, bridge that gap and break the barrier there and ask someone. Ask for help. Bring your budget and say, help me look it over. Uh, you know, I think of uh, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It takes a lot of humility to ask for help in your finances, to ask for ways to make it better. Um, But we might need to. We might need to ask for help getting out of debt or growing in faithfulness or setting a budget or starting to tithe or figuring out some of those areas. Ask for help. And I think of a lot of good men for advice and input into me to figure out how to start making a budget, how to start um, honoring him in that. And it's really blessed my life just starting down that road. Um, and I think secondly and I just encourage you to, to find good good materials on it take a good class if available I know we're going through a few now I might do a season later but I think of the Financial Peace University we're doing from Dave Ramsey it's just one tool but it is a great resource just to, just to start to look at it put it in the light and say God how can, how can I honor you with you and make it better um, there's other good ones the Crown Ministries there's plenty of good things out there but as we offer things or even push us to offer again um, just just figure out how you can do that um, and the other one I'd say is just figuring it out in your marriage you know I know the pre-marriage class we do at the firehouse Greg and Rich are going through a season of that right now so when we try to take people we're marrying in the church through that class but um, I think in your marriage doing that together is really important. And we spend a whole week on that, like I said, in that class. Um, if you're getting married in the future or you're married and haven't done a class like that, just talk to one of us because um, I think this is a critical area just to be unified on in your marriage. And I know, like I said, in our marriage, it was an area we weren't unified on and it was an area that brought a lot of strife. You know, I, I couldn't... I and mean, there's a lot of statistics just about how many divorces, how many problems in your marriage specifically relate to money. And it's a lot. And it's an area that can really shipwreck your marriage and your life. Um, and I believe because you know, when we do start to honor God and become more faithful, more diligent, um, and generous with our finances, God blesses. And we start to see some of those things we talked about at the start, on that first column there. As we grow in that third column, just of becoming faithful and trustworthy, we start to see some of those things grow, um, such as thriving and generosity and worship with our money and freedom from debt, from sin, some of those things that entangle us, that the money's going to the wrong place. And God's money starts getting right where He wants it to go, to furthering His purposes, to furthering the gospel. And that, that's the goal, is just, God, help me take the money you put through my hands and honor you with it, like I would with anything else in my life, because it's just one tool He gives us to to give our worship to Him. Um, One last announcement I'll make. Um, I'm teaching this just because I think um, God can can help each of us. He has a plan. He wants to bless us. I do want to follow up on uh, last week Rich shared on uh, just some of the needs of the church that we were collecting and offering for it. Um, 
and there is a, a sheet just of the needs. It went out on an email if you get it for the week or weekly email, just of some of the needs of the church by the giving box there. But uh, I did want to just highlight it again. Just If you want to pick one up on your way out and just be prayerful and ask if that's where God might want you to invest and, and give an offering. Um, Rich highlighted some of those needs last week. I just wanted to bring that to your attention. But I almost hate to include that in this message because I think God does just want to bless us in our own lives and the blessing comes to us as we honor Him with our finances. But um, Let's pray and call it a morning. God, we do thank You for today. Um, I just thank You for this chance to, to look back and, and look at this area. Um, God, it, it's an area that affects each of us. Uh, money. Um, it affects our thoughts. It affects our hearts. It affects our habits. Um, and I just pray we would use this as a tool to bring you honor. We grow in spending your money in a way that honors you and, and giving and being generous and sharing um, and tithing. God, all those things we would be doing. I pray you'd just help us. Um, give us your spirit. Help us in wisdom. Help us just follow through and obey you. And I pray that we'd be a church that really just bring you honor with, with our money. Um, God, that we'd We'd use it just like we sang. We'd also use our money as a tool to worship you and honor you, and you'd grow us in that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming again today. Do remember to grab one of the offering handouts, and there's also flyers for that Heaven series we're starting next week. We've got a lot of extras, so just get them out to people you know and invite them to church. So thank you.